0: CHAPTER NINE OF THE LATER LIFE by Louis Couperus This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I went last night with van Freisweig to hear Braus speaking at Diligentia, said van der Velke one morning. The fellow's inspired. He speaks extempore and magnificently. He's an orator, a splendid fellow the way he spoke. It was astounding. I knew him years ago at Slyden. He was a queer chap even then. He did not belong to any particular club, not to ours either. His family is nothing out of the way. His father has a factory, I believe, somewhere in Overissel. He himself has nothing of the tradesmen about him. He used to coach us, dull beggars, and help us get up our examinations. I should never have passed without him. He knows about everything. He's not only good at law... He's read everything. He has a tremendous memory. He's travelled a lot and done all sorts of things, but I can't find out exactly what. Now he's lecturing. This evening he's lecturing in Amsterdam. I asked him to dinner, but he refuses to come. Says he's shy with ladies. Silly fellow. The newspapers printed lengthy reports of Browse's speeches on peace. He spoke in all the large Dutch towns and in many of the smaller ones. When he was to speak at The Hague for the second time, van der Velke said excitedly, "'Constance, you must absolutely go and hear Browse this evening. He's grand. You know, I can never listen to anyone for more than a quarter of an hour. Nor I for more than three minutes,' said Paul, who was there. "'But I love to talk for an hour on end myself.' But browse, the fellow electrifies you, though I think that peace idea of his all rot. But that makes no difference. The chap speaks magnificently. I'm dining with Van Frieswijk, and we're going on together. Paul asked Constance to go with him. That evening, the little hall of Diligentia, the proceeds would go to the fund for the boar wounded, was full. Constance and Paul had difficulty in finding seats. "All sorts of people," Paul observed. "A curious audience, an olla podrida of every set in the Hague. Here and there the very select people have turned up, no doubt brought by van Vreyswijk. Look, there are the van der Heuvelsteins, and there's the French minister, and there, as I live, is van Nagel with his colleague from the Treasury. And look, there's Isidore, a hairdresser, a bit of everything, a bit of everything. How brotherly and sisterly the Hague has become this evening. It makes me feel quite sentimental. Browse made his entrance to faint applause. The fellow's not in evening dress. He's wearing a frock coat. I suppose he's playing the demagogue or the preacher. But he had to stop for Browse at once began to speak from the rostrum. He had nothing with him, not a note, and his voice was firm but very gentle. He began with a masterly exposition of the present political situation, sketching it out in broad outlines, like an enormous picture for all those people in front of him. His voice became clearer, his eyes looked through the hall, steady and bright, like two shining stars. Constance, who seldom read any political news, listened, was at once interested, wondered vaguely for a moment that she lived like that from day to day without knowing the times in which she lived. The present took shape before her in those few sentences of Browse's. Then he spoke of peace which would be essential sooner or later which was already making its joyous way into the mind of the nations even though they were actually still waging war upon one another, It was as though wide and radiant vistas opened under his words, and his voice, at first so gentle, now rang through the hall, triumphantly confirming the glad tidings. He spoke without pausing for two hours on end, and, when he stopped, the hall was breathless for a moment, the audience forgot to cheer. Then, indeed, applause burst forth, jubilant, but by that time Browse was gone. They called him back, but he did not return, and the audience streamed out. Constance and Paul were in the crush when they saw van Vreeswijk and van der Velke behind them. Frau," said van Vreeswijk, bowing, "'what do you think of our friend?' "'Wonderful,' said Constance excitedly. "'The fellow speaks well,' said Paul." but he's too earnest, he means all he says. People don't like that in the long run. Van der Velke protested vehemently as he pushed through the close-packed crowd and declared that he was converted, that he believed in peace. They reached the street. The hum of the crowd floated through the wintry air. How excited our stolid Hagers are, said Paul. There's our man, said van Frieswijk. "'Yes, there he is!' exclaimed van der Velke. And he darted forwards, stopped Browse, who was walking fast and saw nobody, and seized his hand. The others drew near. Van Freiswijk, out of politeness, stayed by Constance, waved his hand to Browse. Van der Velde was in a great state of excitement. "'Where are you going?' they heard him ask Browse. "'To the Vitter. "'No, my dear fellow.' "'Home? Home? Can you go home now? Won't you come to the vitter? "'I say, do let me introduce you to my wife, to my brother-in-law.' "'Rows started.
1: "'No,
0: Hans, honestly, no, no. What's the good?' "'Constance heard and could not help, smiling. "'She walked on with Van Vreeswijk and Paul. "'Yes, yes,' van der insisted. Browse no doubt realised that Constance had heard, for he said in a voice of despair, Very well then, Hans. Constance, Paul! cried van der Velke, proud of his friend, and caught them up. He would have liked to introduce Browse to the whole world, to the whole audience streaming out of diligentia. Let me introduce you, my friend, Max Brows, my wife, my brother-in-law, van loor they shook hands, Browse remained standing in front of Constance, shyly and awkwardly. She tried to pay him a compliment that would not sound too obvious, and, like the tactful woman that she was, she succeeded. Paul also said something. They walked on, van Freysvijk silently amused at van der Velke's excitement and Browse's awkwardness. "'And are you really going home? Won't you come to the vitter? der Velker urged in imploring tones. "'My dear Hans, "'what would you have me do at the Vitter? "'So you're going home?' "'Yes, I'm going home, "'but I'll walk a bit of the way with you.' "'And wishing to appear polite, "'he bowed vaguely to Constance, "'but said nothing more. "'It was a delightful winter evening, "'with a sharp frost "'and a sky full of twinkling stars. "'I love walking.' said Constance, when I've heard anything fine, music, a play, or a speech like tonight's, I would much rather walk than rattle home in a cab. "'My dear fellow,' cried van der Velke, still bubbling over with enthusiasm, "'you've converted me. I believe in it. I believe in that piece of yours.' Brows gave a sudden bellow. "'There, now the chap's laughing at me again.' "'said van der in an injured tone. "'Well,' said Browse, "'shall I come and fetch you in a motor tomorrow "'to reward you?' "'They all laughed this time. "'Have you got one?' cried van der delightedly. "'No, but I can hire one,' said Browse. "'And then you can drive.' "'Can you hire one? Can you hire one?' "'cried van der in delighted amazement. "'And may I really drive?' and forgetting all about peace, he was soon eagerly discussing motor cars and motorcycles. When they reached the kirchhoff land, Constance asked, Won't you all come in? Van Fraesweik and Paul said that they would be glad to come in and have a glass of wine, but Browse said, My it's so late. Not for us. Come along, Max, said van der Velke. But Browse laughed his queer soft laugh and said, What's the good of my coming in? And he went off with a shy bow. They all laughed. Really, Browse is impossible, said Van Freyswijk, indignantly. And he's forgotten to tell me at what time he's coming for me with his old sewing machine. But next day, very early, in the misty winter morning, the machine came puffing and snorting and exploding down the Kirchhofflann and stopped at Vandevelelka's door with a succession of deep-drawn sighs and spasmodic gasps as if to take breath after its exertions. and this monster, as it were, of living and breathing iron, odorous of petrol, the acrid smell of its sweat, was soon surrounded by a little group of butcher's boys and orange hawkers. Brose stepped out and as Constance happened to be coming downstairs, she received him. "'I'm not fit to be seen, my Frau. "'In these sewing-machines, as Hans calls them, "'one becomes unpresentable at once.' "'He was shy, looked out at the gasping motor-car, "'and smiled at the crowd that had gathered round. "'I'm causing quite a tumult outside your door.' "'They ought to be used to sewing-machines at The Hague by now.' "'That's a very graphic word of Hans's.' They both laughed. She thought his laugh attractive and his voice soft and restful to listen to. "'Muffrow,' he said suddenly, overcoming his bashfulness, "'I hope you were not angry that I was so ungracious yesterday. "'But you weren't at all ungracious.' "'Yes, I was, very. "'But what excuse can I make?' "'I've lost the habit of just talking.' "'She smiled. "'To ladies,' she said jokingly. "'Yes, about nothing, you know. "'Small talk.' "'You really needn't apologise, Mr Browse. "'You had already said so many delightful things last night "'that I can quite understand.' "'Yes, but I have said nothing this morning, and "'you wouldn't know what to say about nothing.' but please don't trouble and make yourself at home. Henry will be down in a minute. He's very worried at not being ready. In fact, they heard van der Velke upstairs, dressing excitedly. He was rushing madly round his room and shouting, Addy, Addy, pick me out a tie. Do be quick, boy. And Constance rose to go. Browse stopped her. Muffrouw, he said hurriedly, Hans asked me to dinner. And you refused. Well, you see, I'm such a bear. Don't be angry, and don't let Hans be angry either, and let me come and dine with you one day. So you're inviting yourself? Yes. Very well. We shall be delighted to see you. When will you come? Whenever you like. Tomorrow. With great pleasure. Would you rather come alone, or shall I ask van Vreeswijk to meet you? Yes, certainly, van Vreeswijk, And nobody else? No, nobody. But I mustn't dictate to you. Why shouldn't you in this case? Van der Velke came rushing down the stairs, followed by Addy. This is jolly of you, Max. Let's have a look at the old machine. She's a first-rater. And here's my boy, Addy. Eat a bit of bread and butter, quick. Then we'll drop you at your school. Addy laughed quietly ate his bread and butter without sitting down. "'I've lots of time,' he said. "'So much the better. "'We'll drive you round a bit first. "'Quick, quick, take your bread and butter with you in your hand.' He rushed like a madman through the dining room and hall, hunted for his hat, couldn't find it, shouted up the stairs, made Troucher look all over the place for his gloves, created a breezy draught all through the house.' At last he was ready. If only I can manage the old sewing machine. Tuck, tok tok tuck. tok 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 tok. Goodbye, Constance. He shoved Addie in front of him, made him get into the car, settled himself. We're off, Browse. Goodbye, Maffrau. Till tomorrow, then. He ran out. Constance looked out of the window. They drove off with Addie between them waving his hand to her while Browse was showing van der Velke, much too quick too wild too impatient how to work the sewing machine and obviously asking him to be careful end of chapter 9